Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, automotive world? This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host today. Today on the show, what I want to talk about and share with you is, of course, a case study. We'll go through a case study of one that was kind of interesting, but the main topic is rather how as technicians in the role that we play, diagnosing vehicles, you know, making calls on what is wrong, uh, telling a customer, <laughs> uh, this is what you need to fix your car, how sometimes uh, we can make a mistake, make a bad call. Um, you know, we assume something, we look at something the wrong way, maybe we skip a step, uh, we're lazy, <laughs> you know, a lot of different ways that this can happen, but we make a mistake, we make the wrong call, uh, we tell someone or we do it ourselves. We replace the wrong part, and then we've got to go back in and try to rectify that mistake and hopefully get the chance to. But um, it happens to everybody. And, you know, for anybody who says, this never happens to me, I never make a mistake, they're lying. You know, we're all human, and none of us know all of this stuff. And definitely none of us were born knowing (laughs) all of this stuff. And hey, we make mistakes. Uh, it, It happens to everybody. And, you know, that's just that's just the way life is. But uh, what I think is important here and what I kind of want to point out to everybody is it is important to take something away from that. You know, when you screw up, when you do make a mistake, how do we handle that? What do we do with it? And of course, you know, everybody reacts to this differently. There's a pride factor to it for a lot of us when we do this and we don't want to admit that we're wrong. You know, uh, it's going to, it's going to hurt our ego. And so we'll make excuses, uh, put, deflect the blame somewhere else. Uh, heck, maybe even some people might lie about it, but none of that is productive. None of that makes us better in the future. And I think that's what's important to take away from any mistake that you make with a vehicle. Um, Heck, you could probably apply this to most things in life, but uh, we're talking about automotive diagnostics here. One of the important things that we can take away from it is how can we improve from this? How can we learn from this? And if you're not doing that, when you make a mistake, when you screw something up, whenever that happens, if you're not looking at it from the perspective of how can I improve myself for next time? What did I learn from this mistake that will make me better next time? Well, <laughs> then then the mistake uh, really is detrimental. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to backpedal on the vehicle that you're working on. But if you're not looking at it from that perspective, uh, it's never really going to make you any better as a technician. Odds are you're going to make that same mistake down the road again, and it's going to hurt you know your relationship you know with the people that you're working for or your customer whoever um, obviously it's going to make you look bad and and waste time too um you know we're trying all trying to make money out there we want to make the right call as efficiently as possible on every vehicle um if we're wasting time you know making the wrong calls obviously it's going to hurt our paycheck at the end of the day so using a mistake as a learning 
process is so huge. And I deal with this with my students all the time. You know, they are students. They're doing this for the first time in class and they have no idea what they're doing or they know very little about what they're doing and the the pitfalls that they're going to encounter. And I tell all of them, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Of course, school is a low pressure area where they are allowed to make mistakes. And, you know, I almost expect it. I almost want them to because making that mistake if you look at it from the right perspective and you take the right thing away from it, it's going to stick in your head. I mean, at least for me anyways, the times that I screw up, those really, really stick with me. Um, those are, you know, stronger memories for whatever reason uh, than maybe the time that I got it right. Of course, you know, sometimes that can help you as well. But man, I don't know, the times that I really mess up, uh, those are the things that really stick with me. And I can pull on those in the future to try to not make that mistake again or to try to overcome a situation in a different way uh, that I didn't before, to look at it from a different perspective and, again, be aware of some of the pitfalls that come at us. And one of the other things that we can do, and the podcast honestly has really helped me out with this, is you know, after you do make a mistake is to really lay out your process that you went through. Of course, this is generally referring to diagnostics, you know, a diagnosis of a problem, but to really lay out the steps in your process and the process you used while you made that mistake. Okay. And somewhere along that path, you probably missed something. You probably did something wrong. You assumed something that that wasn't correct. And to actually lay it out, you know, even just in your mind or on a piece of paper or out loud with someone else, it can help you really pinpoint that point in the process where, okay, here's where I should have done something else. And this is a really powerful tool for anybody. You know, maybe you do something during the day, you mess up and you quickly move past it, or you say, okay, well, guess I should have done that differently. Let's move on. And that's the easiest thing to do, but to really take the time to break down every single step. And I realize this is time consuming, but man, is it beneficial? And again, putting these case studies into words and into notes for these podcasts that I've been making. I mean, I hope that it's, you know, sharing information with everybody else and it's being helpful for everyone that's listening, but kind of self-serving, it's really uh, been beneficial for me to look at my process and to look at, okay, here's where I could have you know, done something different at this step that either would have made it more efficient or got me to the correct answer. And that's the thing, even with a uh, diagnosis that you get right, you can look back at it and see how could this have been more efficient? How could I have gotten to the conclusion quicker? Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can't change the past and things that have already happened, but we can do this with the intention of making future diagnosis of the same or a similar problem uh, more efficient and better and get to the correct answer, obviously, but maybe even get there quicker. So I encourage everybody to do that and to really take that approach when you make a mistake. Because again, hey, it's going to happen. That's just the way it is. Um, But we can learn from it. We can actually benefit from the times that we screw up. So today on the show, of course, with all that being said, I want to talk about a vehicle that I made the wrong call on because like I said, we all do this, this happens. And I think it's a good thing to share with everybody 
Here's the uh, vehicle, and we'll go through a short case study on this because I think it, uh, again, was pretty interesting. It was a 2009 Ford Fusion with a 2.3 liter four-cylinder dual overhead cam engine. And the shops concerned with this vehicle or the customer concerned with this vehicle is the speedometer does not work. Uh, They said sometimes it was erratic, but the speedometer does not work. The check engine lights on. There's a P0720, which I'll cover in a moment. Um, And they actually had this at a Ford dealership prior to the independent shop where where I saw it. But at the Ford dealership, I guess they replaced some components. I wasn't exactly aware of what they were going in, but they replaced some components in an attempt to fix the speedometer issue. And they did not end up fixing the speedometer issue. They charged the customer $200 for initial diagnosis and whatever sensors they replaced. And they said, they admitted, hey, it's not working, but we need more money if we're going to dig into this more uh, because that that was their rationale. You know, we've done the upfront diagnosis, I guess. I, I don't know exactly how they approached it, but uh, here's what you owe us. Your car's not fixed and you owe us this much more <laughs> if you actually want us to figure out what's wrong, which, um, you know, I think is kind of shady, but that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, people want to get paid for their time, I guess. Um, and so the customer, it kind of was thinking along the same lines as me is that's BS. <laughs> I'm going to take this somewhere else. And so they took it to the independent shop uh, that I work with and he calls me to come in and take a look at this thing. So I come in and take a look at this and first things first, we want to verify the concern. This was pretty easy to do. There was a P0720, uh, which specifies that it is the output shaft speed sensor circuit or signal uh, that is a problem. And uh, I was able to verify just driving this thing around in the parking lot that the speedometer did not function. Now, what I did notice was occasionally, and this was sort of intermittent, um, that the speedometer would sort of bounce wildly. And this would even happen stationary at times. So the car's not moving and you can see the speedometer jumping up to 30 miles an hour and back down to zero. Sometimes it would do nothing. Sometimes it would just sit at zero and it wouldn't move. But other times, again, whether you were driving, whether you were stationary, you'd see the speedometer jumping up towards 30 miles an hour and then back down. And so I thought that was kind of strange as well. So now that I've verified the concern, I want to see what the dealership replaced, what components were replaced on the vehicle there. And so I look under the hood and I'm looking at the transmission and I see that there are two different what appear to be speed sensors on this transmission that have been replaced. And I see a third one, a third speed sensor on the transmission and it looks like it hasn't been replaced. Um, now I'm not sure which sensor is what the code specifies as their output speed sensor. Um, I don't know which one that is just by looking at it and I'm not hundred percent sure which sensor is used for vehicle speed. So at this point I want to go into service information, at least identify which number one, which sensors have been replaced and which one is responsible for speedometer operation. What is our vehicle speed signal? And if you look at the diagram for this transmission on this particular Ford application, you'll see, again, that there are three speed sensors. There's an input speed sensor, which is located towards uh, the front of the vehicle, uh, closer to the bell housing of the transmission. And this is, again, the input speed sensor to the transmission. 
And then there is a, uh, I've saw this listed under two names, a turbine speed sensor or an intermediate shaft speed sensor, uh, whichever you want to call it. It's about midway through the transmission. And that was actually the one that had not been replaced. And then finally, there's an output speed sensor, also named a vehicle speed sensor, and this is located farther down towards the bottom of the transmission uh, near the passenger side CV axle. So right where that CV axle is going to exit the transmission, uh, the speed sensor is very close to that. And so, um, you know, just general experience, uh, that kind of confirms that that's our sensor that is registering vehicle speed because it's looking at what is the rotational speed at the output of the transmission. Now, that sensor was replaced and that sensor is the one that we're going to be focused on here. And it is the one that the code pertains to the P0720. Okay, so at least I know, you know, which component do I need to go test? Which, you know, which sensor should I actually be looking at since there's multiple sensors on this transmission? So utilizing service information there uh, kind of pointed me towards the right direction. So the first thing I did, uh, there was actually an open bay at the shop and I pulled the vehicle in and they allowed me to lift the vehicle up so I could really get to this sensor. You can kind of reach it from the top, but um, I thought it would be easier to get at it from underneath. And I did just a little bit of reading, uh, you know, to see is there anything common that pops up with this 720 code. And one of the first things that I saw was that the wiring for this sensor was somewhat close to the exhaust for the vehicle. And it is. Uh, the exhaust comes out the backside of the cylinder head near the firewall. And that's also kind of where that sensor is located. And you can see uh, the three wires. This is a three-wire Hall effect sensor. You can see the three wires go up into a loom and they go up and then they uh, go into a larger loom that goes off in several different directions. But it's within, I would say, maybe six inches of the exhaust. So I could totally see how heat from the exhaust may be causing some circuit issues. And we already have a sensor replaced. So that's kind of what I'm thinking going into this is we might see a circuit issue. Well, I peer, peel back the loom uh, in the portion of the wire where, you know, I can see uh, that the exhaust is there and all the wires actually look pretty good. Uh, they're not melted together. There's no insulation missing. I can't see any copper wires. Okay, well, let's start doing some testing then, you know, visual inspection here. Everything's checked out so far. So I first am going to put my U-scope to the signal wire of this speed sensor and I'm going to have uh, the vehicle put into gear and I just want to see is there anything happening at this sensor and so I do that and I don't have anything so I'm grounding the you know the reference the black side of the the scope and I'm putting the, the signal onto the actual signal wire the sensor and I don't get anything it's just basically zero volts on this signal wire and I'm just pierced on the wire right at the sensor itself right on the back side. I didn't want to back probe this because I didn't want to cause, you know, if there's a pin fit issue, I didn't want to disturb it. So I decided to pierce the wire here. Again, there's just nothing, zero volts. And again, I'm grounding my reference lead and I'm putting the other side of the scope onto that signal wire. I'm rotating the uh, 
actual CV axle, the vehicle is pretending like it's moving down the road, but it's just on a hoist and I'm getting no signal from it. Now here's where, and this is again, kind of hindsight, but uh, we'll just stop it here and say, here's where I made my first mistake in this is that I assumed on that signal wire, you know, this is a hall effect sensor that I should see a five volt reference, or I should see five volts there at some point if this sensor is working properly. And that's how a lot of Hall effect sensors are going to work, is you're going to see a 5-volt square wave when the sensor is outputting something. And that's going to be how the control module perceives what's actually happening. And in this one, as that tone wheel comes around and interacts with a magnet in the Hall effect sensor, we should see a 5-volt square wave. Well, I don't, I, I see zero, but Again, I kind of made a mistake here in assuming how the circuit was set up. And this has to do with pull up and pull down circuitry in Hall effect sensors. And if you're more interested on the details here, uh, you know, check out Scanner Danner's stuff. He has some awesome, awesome material on pull up and pull down sensors and how the circuitry works and how to test for these things. And of course, you know, I'm aware of this stuff, but I, uh, I kind of skipped over really thinking about this as I'm going through my testing. I'm just assuming I should see five volts here at some point, but I don't. Okay. So I'm thinking this, the sensor's not outputting anything. All right. So what's my next step here? Of course, I want to check for pin fitment. Um, I unplugged the sensor. I looked at the pins, the female and the male pins on the sensor. They all look good, have nice pin drag. Okay. I want to check the sensor gap. Is there a potential where the sensor's pushed out away from the tone wheel that's inside the transmission? It doesn't look like it. It's all pretty clean. It's bolted down. There's no gap there. I even pulled the sensor out just because it was really easy to do. And I looked in at the tone wheel. I rotated the wheel. All looks good. Uh, there's nothing, no damage to the teeth. There's nothing wrong inside the transmission. So I plug the sensor in and I, again, I'm monitoring the signal wire. And just in case I take a, a ferrous metal, I'll usually use like a wrench or a screwdriver and I'll hold it up to the tip of the sensor. And when you do this on a Hall effect sensor where the magnet's located in the sensor, you should see a change in state on the signal wire. It's an easy way just to have a Hall effect sensor plugged in, put a ferrous piece of metal up to it, and it should change state from zero to five or five to zero. Of course, this one does nothing, just like I saw when it was installed into its bore and the axle is rotating, nothing. Zero volts the whole time on this signal wire. Again, I'm, you know, I have my black lead of my scope grounded and I have the other side connected to the signal wire of the sensor. Okay, so what's next? Well, I want to check power and ground to the sensor, of course. Now, this particular sensor gets 12 volts. It gets a 12-volt feed, and it has a ground on the other wire. So this should be pretty easy to do. I check that, and of course, I have my 12 volts. I have my ground. Um, essentially, I have everything that this sensor needs to work. So the last thing that I do kind of consider, but this was my second mistake here. The, the first part is I didn't really consider is this a pull up or a pull down. I just wanted to see five volts and I didn't. My next mistake was I did consider the signal wire itself. What if there is an issue with the signal wire? So what I'm considering is, is this, you know, signal wire maybe rubbed up against ground somewhere. Is it grounded out somewhere? And that's why I'm not seeing my five volts. Well, I look at the PCM, 
uh, the control module that is in control of the engine and labeled as the powertrain control module, and it's right up by the battery. And that is physically about, I would say, six to eight inches from where my sensor is and where this wire and this plug-in is. And I follow the harness up, and part of this harness, again, it goes from the sensor into a small loom, and it goes into a larger loom, and then there's another leg that goes right up to this PCM. And again, maybe six to eight inches of harness there. Looks completely undisturbed, and I've already peeled back the loom all the way up to the larger harness. I don't see anything there, and I even wiggled that harness harness just to see, you know, does anything happen on the signal wire? Still nothing there. Okay. And I should have, <laughs> I should have paid more attention because again, this was the, what was labeled in the, the vehicle schematics as the powertrain control module. I should have done a little bit more reading here and I really should have, uh, you know, fully grasps, is this a pull up or a pull down circuit? We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, once we realize that I made a mistake. So at this point, I just call a sensor. Okay. There's a bad sensor. I know it's new, but it's not outputting a signal. It has its power and ground. The signal wire is okay as far as what I can see. And let's, let's get a sensor in this and it should be good to go. Well, of course, they get a sensor, they put it in, exact same thing. I'm like, ah, oh, geez, okay. <laughs> I, I never like getting that call that, you know, I'm charging a shop <laughs> for the right answer and they're paying me and then uh, it's the wrong answer. And of course, you know, it happens. Every, again, everybody makes mistakes, but it it's a sucky feeling. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just like, okay, well, I got to I gotta correct this. I got to get back and figure out what's going on. So at that point, I like to just sort of sit back and really reassess what I've done, what I've looked at, and was I looking at it the right way? What did I miss here? Because um, in the moment, I was confident it was a sensor, but I wasn't thinking through the whole system and how it was set up. So my next step that I want to do uh, when I get back to this thing is I want to go to the signal wire on the PCM. And this is where I figured out that I kind of made a mistake here. And this is what led me to the right answer if I would have taken the time here in the first place. I assumed that this vehicle speed sensor went to my PCM, which is mounted up by my battery right under the hood, again, real close to this sensor. Well, as it turns out, if I would have paid more attention to the wiring diagram, the signal wire for this sensor does not go to the PCM. It actually goes to the TCM, the transmission control module, which is underneath the dash for this particular automatic transmission. So when the wire goes into this big harness, it actually splits off in a different direction. It does not go towards the PCM. It actually goes up towards the engine, around through a big harness, through the firewall, and under the dash to the TCM. So all of a sudden now, my signal wire, which is what should be in question here, has a lot more real estate for a problem than what I considered when I first looked at it. I'm like, okay, I can see the entire harness all the way to the PCM. I don't see anything wrong. I wiggle it. There's nothing wrong. Um, again, you know, making some major assumptions there. Whereas if I would have really looked at the diagram and seen, okay, the TCM's under the dash and there's a lot more wiring, maybe I should do a few more checks before I call this thing. So now, of course, that's what I'm going to do. 
Well, I start following this harness up. I'm monitoring my signal wire with the key on to this sensor, and I start wiggling the harness as I go up, as I go up, and of course, up near the engine, towards the back of the cylinder head, I wiggle the harness and I can see this thing fluctuating from five to zero, five to zero, five to zero. Okay, what is it? And I finally, you know, through process elimination where I'm shaking the harness, I finally find the point where the problem is. And it is a brown green wire, which is the signal wire for the VSS or the output speed sensor. And it's actually just barely, but it is rubbed through on one of the machine screws uh, for the stepper motor style EGR valve on the back of the head. Okay, so what this has done is it has provided a ground path for that signal wire right through, you know, the insulation of the wire onto that signal wire. And so this harness was resting on this metal screw. And I'm going to put a picture of this, of the wire and of the EGR valve up on the Facebook group. So check those out. And I'll also put a video up of the speedometer bouncing, which I'll get to in just a moment. But once I saw that, and this all kind of came together for me, and I realized immediately, okay, this is, <laughs> obviously I made the mistake of thinking, you know, assuming the wiring went to the PCM when it didn't, but also assuming how the circuit was supposed to work. When I was looking at that sensor, I just had it in my mind that it should be outputting five volts and it's not. Well, that's not how this circuit works. This is what is known as a pull-down circuit, meaning that the TCM actually supplies five volts onto the signal wire comes from the control module on the signal wire. It's There's going to be a 12-volt feed into the sensor, but there's actually a 5-volt feed on the signal wire. And when this sensor activates, it actually pulls that 5 volts down to ground. Well, if that wire is being pulled down to ground by this uh, screw on the EGR valve, obviously the sensor, it can it can pull it down to ground all at once. It's never going to see that. And so that was causing the you know vehicle speed signal to not move. Now, why did it fluctuate rapidly at times? Well, it was just barely resting on this piece of metal. So depending on the engine position, reverse, drive, maybe acceleration, uh, maybe, you know, just depending on how much it was shaking at an idle, you could have some intermittent contact at this point. And we did. And that was the speedometer jumping up and down because what that was doing was actually creating a square wave on that signal. And I actually have a scope capture of that I'll put on the Facebook uh, in the Facebook group as well, is this essentially it's creating the five volt signal that the speed sensor would be, and it was causing the speedometer to jump up wildly. Um, so the the fix is easy. We just have to repair this wire. <laughs> you know, that's it. It's not too bad to do, but finding it, uh, of course, uh, made the wrong call in doing this. And the shop was understanding, and um, which is nice. And it's just, again, it, this sort of stuff happens. And it's usually when we skip a step in the process, when we assume things. I assumed too much here. I was in a little bit of a hurry, and I didn't really think through everything before I made the call. And that's it's easy to do, unfortunately. But um, you know, again, I want to take this and I want to, next time I'm looking at something like that, at least consider before I make that call, okay, you're pretty confident here, but remember that one time and remember the things that you forgot about that circuit and about how you thought that it worked when that really wasn't the case. 
But uh, that is it for today. That's all I've got for you. Uh, hopefully you found that interesting. Make sure to check out the pictures in the Facebook group. Uh, you can see the scope captures. You can see the video the speedometer and the actual problem on this Ford Fusion. But other than that, let's all get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.